Welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyke. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. And, of course, we've got the returning whale man, Kyle Budzanowski. He is here as well, and we are ready to rip-roar and ready to go. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to go over this week, guys. we got some AEW talk, uh, probably the biggest dynamite they have had literally since its inception. Uh, we're going to do a Would You Rather on the Lions coaching search based off of some rumors that we're hearing um, from around the league. We're going to do a preview the upcoming NBA season. We're like just a couple weeks away, guys. I know preseason is like next week, and the regular season is the, what, the 22nd, right, is yes. when it kicks off? So. Right around Christmas time, you're going to have NBA action, so we're going to preview the Pistons. We're going to talk some of the big uh, swaps over the last couple weeks, and we're also going to talk about Kyle and Mike's favorite, why the Lakers and LeBron James will probably repeat as NBA champions. So we're going to get into all that, and then we're also going to preview the potential Final Four matchups um, for the college fo- for college football. Um, it's kind of looking like things are kind of shaking out the way they are. Could there be some possible changes? We'll kind of talk about that as well, just kind of getting into it, getting you ready for uh, nut cutting time, really, when it comes to college football, because due to a weird year, there could be some teams that are left out with no reason that they, you know, they like Ohio State, for instance. So we're gonna get into all that, but let's just jump right in, Mike. Let's start wrestling wise, and then so then we can bring Kyle in after the fact here. Um, you know, AW the whole winter is coming thing. They they really teased it hard. You know, Tony Khan pulled the Dixie Carter and was like, we're gonna do things to change the wrestling landscape, and then they had the next AEW Dynamite, and they're like. I don't get it. What did he do? Like, Shaq's coming, maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But And then nothing came from it. Um, but he was right, I guess, in some regards, right? We had a big world title match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. Sting makes his, makes his debut in AEW, signed a multi-year deal, which I think is crazy because he's 61. Um, give me your thoughts on this show. Give me your thoughts on Sting and the world title change. What, were you behind it? Were you ready for it? I was, personally. I was 100% ready for it. But some people don't like the fact that Kenny was the one to beat Moxley. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I thought it was the best AEW Dynamite show probably ever. ever. And, and I think, it's easy to say that because they've only been on the air for like a year and a half. Yeah, so. I think I think yeah. it rivals the one where Pac and Kenny had the 30-minute uh-huh. Iron Man match mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I think that's the other one that like shoots out as a really good Dynamite also. Yeah. And because on that show, you had like the 10 lashes too and everything yeah. leading up to Revolution. Yeah. So I think that was like a great show too. Yeah. So these are probably 1A, 1B for me. But um, yeah, I was, I was fine with uh, Kenny winning the title. Mm-hmm. I think I would have preferred if this match would have went to, like, a draw of some sort, and mm-hmm. then the title would have changed hands at Revolution. Right, um, right. I'm not, I'm not like, if you do it now or you do it later, Kenny's eventually going to take the title off of him. No doubt. So to no me, doubt. it doesn't really matter when you do it. I was okay with it now. Right. I think it would have been cool to build a little bit more yep. and, like, have a third match yep. at Revolution, yep. but it was fine. And then to the Sting point, I thought it was awesome to see Sting. Didn't I see think, it coming, honestly. Like, no, I, I, I'm kind of one of those things where I'm like, I just, it just didn't feel like that was going to be a thing. Yeah. And he comes in, and I think he made an impact. Yeah, and knowing that um, Cody's favorite wrestler growing up was Sting, Right. I think he's going to work some kind of program, if not wrestling wise with Cody. I yeah. think he's going to be some kind of manager. He, he needs to be like an authoritarian figure from afar, right? Yeah, like, so I much. think I think the best way to leverage Sting is no longer in the ring yeah. anymore. I mean, he, like I said, he's 60. Um, he can't do the things that he even, you know, I think people forget that even when he was in TNA, okay, he was in his four, mid to late 40s. That's. That was 15 years ago. I mean, you know, this isn't 2007 Sting anymore, right? Where he can still actively put on a, a pretty decent match. 
that's not the case anymore. He's a bit he's older. He got hurt in that Seth Rollins match a couple years ago. And even that, what? That's been what? Five years ago? So it's not like he's a spring chicken anymore. I think his role will definitely be best suited as a like the uh like the judge executioner type of role, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like he just comes in the he's the law yeah. kind of thing, you know, where he's always around and he's always watching to make sure that injustice and you know blah 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 mm-hmm. that whole thing. But I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um give me your thoughts on the report that there was a the Sting pitched a cinematic match with The Undertaker. That was something that Sting was really pushing for. He's like, mm-hmm. because they're both physically limited at this point in their careers. I mean, Taker's in his mid-50s. Sting, obviously, older than that. Um, to do a cinematic match, personally, I think that thing could have been awesome because they both have similar characters, but there's vast differences in the way they're they're presented. Um, give me your thought. Would you wanted to see that? Are you glad that it didn't? Because it was a cinematic, not a straight-up two 60-year-olds going at it. It would have been a cinematic thing. Yeah, I mean, it would have been cool. I'm not dying to see it by any means. I'm not yeah. like, oh, man, that is, that's going to be the WrestleMania match I'm going to look forward to. Like, right. I'm not I'm not on that boat, really. Really? I, mean, I think um, it would be, be cool. Disagree. but I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, but now it won't happen, so yeah, it's uh, it's un- I guess it's unfortunate. Yeah. But it w- I think it would have been cool, but I'm just not yeah. super into either one at this stage yeah. of their career. Right. So I'm like... It's I, a dream match. Yeah, it's, it's a dream a, match. It's a dream match, but I'm yeah. not all in on the dream matches per se like, yeah well it's hard because when people say dream match matches right they're like oh man what is stone cold could wrestle john cena but you really want you want stone cold from 1999 versus john cena exactly like you had you had what like <laughs> cena rock back in 2000 right but rock was not rock anymore exactly so way. it was like it was yeah. like oh two yeah. icons but then the, you watch the match it's like it was a good match yeah like yeah like, like i would have loved to have seen kurt angle versus bret hart but i wanted 1997 bret hart versus yeah. you know 2003 kurt angle yeah exactly so you're not gonna get like you're not the, gonna get the same thing it's, yeah. it's extremely difficult um back to the kenny win though right they're going to be doing this crossover with impact wrestling we've heard you know we've seen AEW now with the with making uh arrangements with the nwa they're they've also i hear that they're in talks with new japan to maybe start doing a relation i know new japan's kind of double dipping with ring of honor too at the same time but um with this crossover um i mean do you, are you in favor of that a lot of people are really excited not for this one with impact because it's only supposed to be a short run little thing like a couple episodes if that mm-hmm. um but like are you excited for it are, are you intrigued by the fact that aew is is the first real major company to branch out and go to some of these i would say they're a little bit smaller mm-hmm. on most i mean I, you could argue new japan is as the same size but in japan mm-hmm. um are you excited for these crossovers and do you think kenny is the right guy to be at the top of the mountain during this time he does not have the north american credibility that moxie does even though i think he's a better wrestler but kenny has not gotten over like i think any of us really thought he would Mm -hmm. so him being the world champion definitely helps but do you think he's the right guy to be kind of like in the face of that i think cody would have i think them booking themselves in the corner with cody i think cody would have been a much better person to kind of bridge all of these gaps because he's no more known on the north american scale um yeah i guess it's uh very true i will say one thing though i think this is what AEW does i'm not even gonna say a lot better because wwe doesn't do it but i think wwe would benefit strongly from doing it so i think that they just don't they have wwe has a lot of 
people on the roster, right. but there's not a lot of variance that you can do with yep. the same 60 people or right. 100 people or whatever, but it's right. not a lot of variance. Where AEW, it's like something starts to get stale, we'll just bring in a couple New Japan guys or Ring of Honor mm -hmm. guys mm -hmm. to spice up a couple of these things until you want to see what we previously did again. Right. So I think AEW is doing a fantastic job at balancing their right. roster but bringing in other people. Right. And to the Kenny Omega point, I think Omega... Is probably would be probably my second choice to Cody. Yeah. But I think that Kenny, if the commentators can do a good enough job explaining storylines that happen, because if you right. were to bring in bigger name New Japan guys, if they get a guy from New, if they get Okada or something like that, yeah, that's what I mean. Then it's over. If you're bringing in yeah. Okada, Ibushi, Naito, right, they come over, and if you can explain, okay. This is what they... Because you did a pretty good job with Kenny and Chris Jericho explaining. Right. They yeah. had this They're one few. match and right. they hated each other, blah, 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 for their second one at Double Nothing 2019. Right. Where I think if you have Naito come over and you go, man, these guys battled mm -hmm. at every G1 <laughs> and they were in these epic wars. Yeah. I think people can get excited for those kind I of think, matches. And, so and Kenny too, can they can, build they that get the over. footage as well. And AEW is doing one thing. I think WWE is... Is this is the WWE thing though? They are acknowledging people's past before AEW, mm -hmm. right? Like, even though I mean, Kenny's already the AAA mega champion yeah. right now at the same time, but like, they are acknowledging outside of pretty much WWE for the most part, they are acknowledging the fact that they are they've had previous careers, right? WWE does almost none of that. Mm -hmm. They've started to do a little bit. Like, I remember when Gallows and Anderson debuted, they're like, they're former IWGP tag team. Like, and everyone was like, oh my gosh, they actually, like, said that out mm -hmm. loud. Like, no one ever does that. But, you know, <clears throat> WWE would definitely be served to do this because the times that they have done a little bit, right? Triple H shows up at a Progress event or a WXW in Germany or something like that. People go insane mm -hmm. for that stuff, right? To have a WWE contracted wrestler. And the funny thing is, is that they used to do this a lot more. They did it with ECW in the mid-90s. They did it for... Uh, Jerry Lawler in the USWA in the 90s. Like, they would send big tap talent. Like, they would send Bret Hart to wrestle Terry Funk at Terry Funk's retirement show as world's champion just because Terry Funk was retiring. Like, that was... And he, I mean, six months later, he wasn't. But the point is, like, they would send, you know, uh, an Undertaker to wrestle a young Kane in, a, in the Memphis territory for Jim Cornette just because. Like, certain things like that Vince would do all the time. So it's weird to me that they would not, you know try and do a little bit more of that, especially because they were working so closely with Evolve and that was working. Like, we went to that Evolve show, they had Walter and mm -hmm. Champa there and a couple other big names where you're like, oh, crap, like, they're here. Yeah. They're, you know what I mean? So it, it makes a big deal when they do do that. So I figured that I think it's going to come more. I think when Triple H takes over mm -hmm. is really when it's going to be more prevalent. Um, yeah. Real quick, uh, just one more thing on the Kenny thing. Were you shocked to see him win it? And, uh, and in the way that it happened, you know, he's already the heel thing, but like, do you think that was the right way for Moxley to get Lewis as real his first match? Was, or do you think that there was a better way to do it or a better guy to take it from him? No, I think everything worked out yeah. just about as well as you can do it if mm -hmm. Kenny's going to win it. Yeah. I think keeping Moxley strong and yeah. Moxley doesn't even have to continue with Kenny right away nope. because he got attacked or whatever three weeks ago mm -hmm. or whatever happened. So he can go like, figure that thing out before yep. he comes back to Kenny. Yep. So he loses, mm -hmm. but he loses in a non-clean way. Yep. So it's like his one loss is to Kenny, who's now the world champion, and right. not even a clean way. And so he doesn't even yeah. look bad he, at he all. He cheated, and then he hits the one-winged angel, which nobody kicks out of, which I like the fact that they got that little bit in the one-winged yeah. angel to kind of be like, oh, it's... Like, I remember I vividly was watching that match, and he set him up and hit it, and I went, oh my god, it's over. Yes. And because they've done such a great job with that move in, in establishing, he hits it, there's no kicking exactly. out. It's done. So it's like, you're like, oh, he's going to win the title here. Yeah. And I was excited. I'm personally happy that Kenny's got it. I know people 
because he hasn't gotten over the way that I think a lot of people thought he would immediately in, in North America. But you got to think, too, he wasn't positioned after after Double or Nothing when he loses to Jericho. He hasn't been positioned as, quote-unquote, a top guy yeah. either. Did a tag thing, right? They were doing that. But you can argue, okay, tag teams can be as big. No, they can't. It's just yeah. a fact. They're not. So, I think, yeah, I think this next, like, <clears throat> six-month reign that he's going to have is yeah. going to prove. Do you think that they could have achieved the same thing, though, because you have a heel champion now with MJF, and they should have pulled the trigger at All Out? I think it's actually now better that they didn't because okay. having MJF only hold the title for like two months, I don't right. think it's very good. Like I think well, I'm assuming if MJF has it, Kenny doesn't take it then. Yeah, so yeah. I, I like the whole. Yeah. I like what they did now. Like yeah. I guess that's hindsight one of those. I I, I I was yeah. yeah the, I would say hindsight 2020 is. I was mad then. I was too. But Absolutely. then, but now seeing like right now where we're at, I'm mm-hmm. like I'm totally okay that. Yeah, there's the, the road everyone took, and, and how it's and gone. honestly, when you look at it, just a, a quick note on MGF, right? What they're doing is they're putting him under the Jericho tree yeah. and just saying, "By the way, become a star." Yeah, and that's literally what they're doing. So here you go, just become a star, and, and then your your time will kind of come here. Yeah, Hangman. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be Hangman. And Hangman and will take it for. I would assume maybe not even this upcoming All Out. Yeah, but the following All Out. So not you know six months from now, whenever they have it, but the following year, yeah. I think could potentially be where you finally see. MJF and Hangman yeah. for the title. Okay. I think that's where your your two main event stars are because they really need to. Once again, though, my only concern with having a heel champion is you need baby faces. Mm-hmm. You don't got a lot of them right now. A lot yeah. of and not any really, quite mm-hmm. frankly. So everyone's turning heel. No one's no one's being a baby face. So that's that's one thing to take note of for sure. Um, all right, let's kind of shift off of, off of wrestling now, though. Kyle's nearly falling asleep over here. I'm sorry, buddy. It's okay. Let's jump into some basketball talk, though. We're not going to do any commercials today, guys. I'm not. We're not actually going to be filming the show. Um, we're going through some stuff here at, at, at our studio. We got some rearranging going on. We're probably going to be moving studios at some point, so that's why we're not been filming the last couple weeks. So we will get back to that at some point. So bear with me, bear with us on that. Uh, let's talk basketball though. Uh, the big news coming out of the NBA right now, as we're right on the precipice of the preseason, John Wall and Russell Westbrook getting traded. I'm going to wait to talk about the Lakers to the very last thing, just uh, to tease you. It's going to be great. Um, but that is the big news though. Outside yeah. of the two contract extensions, I get it, but. The big news, like the blockbuster thing, is John Wall going to the Rockets, you know, Russell Westbrook going to the Wizards. Kyle, give me your thoughts on that trade. It's basically swapsies. There's a protected first rounder going to the Wizards, which is never really going to be realized. It's going to wind up turning into second rounders. So, but uh, give me your thoughts on the swap between the two point guards. Both have flaws, both are great players in their own right, but I don't think either one's really built to win a championship. Yeah, I mean, I like John Wall going to the Rockets more than Russell Westbrook being there. Yeah. Because I just feel like that James Harden-Russell Westbrook combo was kind of too much ball dominance than, I guess, you could get to farther in the playoffs with. And James Harden came out and said that he would rather play with James... Uh, John Wall. John Wall. It's James Wall. James Wall. <laughs> and I, I think Westbrook going to the, the, the Wizards is just going to be more ball dominance. I don't really think much is going to change. You're going to have that. You're going to have Bradley Beal, but I think it's going to stay a lot similar, just like how we saw when he moved to Houston with James Harden. So I do like John Wall um, and um, Houston a lot better. And what does that put them on your spectrum as far as like in the West? Right? Does this does this then make them a? Does this increase like if if but if before this right say they were a five six seed right just like off the top of my head does this make them a four or a three seed based off of just this one individual move or because they got Christian Wood now too you know you've got some pieces in Houston their starting five actually doesn't look bad you got you know PJ Tucker in there you still got Harden you got pieces in Houston but you got a new coach. Um, 
you know, you're not going to probably be running as much run and gun as maybe you were in the past with Antoni. But so, I mean, where does this put Houston for you in your Western Conference rankings? Are they worse now? Are they better off now? Um, I don't think they change much. I think their ceiling is probably like a third or seed, but I think they're going to be somewhere around that five. Uh, yeah, the five through eight yeah. kind of range yeah. there. Because the West, really, I mean, you look at it, you got a couple up and coming teams right now, too. I mean, you look at, I think the Jazz are right there. You got Denver, you got Dallas. You've got a couple teams right now that are really all kind of in it. You know, mm-hmm. Mike, same question to you. I mean, thoughts on the trade? Who wins the deal? Um, and give me your thoughts on both the Rockets and the Wizards because yeah. I think the Wizards, I think this was strictly we need a star. And yes. Bradley Beal is probably going to leave at some point, so we need a star. Yeah, no, I think the Wizards won the trade because I really? don't think okay. I don't think the Rockets. Um, well, the Rockets are the fifth best team in the West, yeah. and I don't think they're moving up or down much <laughs> from getting John Wall. I think the Wizards, you can argue... John Wall hasn't played in two years. Yeah, John Wall <laughs> hasn't played in two years, so they were probably the 10th, 11th best team, yeah. and they moved up to probably the 8th or 7th best. And you la- and you may laugh and go, wow, 8 or 7, but that's a playoff spot, and right. that's a possible for an upset there. Right. So I think, I think the Wizards won just because they probably moved from non-contending to being able to be a potential, right. at least a low seed well, contender. Right. And, and when you have Westbrook there too, right? If Bradley, maybe Bradley Beal then's like, okay, maybe I can say get some of the pressure off me. Because one thing about Westbrook, we make fun of him a lot, but at the same time, you know you're going to get two things out. You're going to get max effort every single play, mm-hmm. right? And you're probably going to get 20 points a game. Like, let's be honest, right? He's going to, he, for whatever, he's just a machine. He's mm-hmm. got a high motor, right? I mean, with that high motor comes a lot of con, a lot of money and a lot of him having to have the ball in his hands. But at the same time, he does make plays, you know, especially in the regular season. He can will it. He willed an Oklahoma City team to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. So there is a little bit of that to be thrown into there as well where you can go. And I think you make a great point where the Wizards are like, we ain't got nothing going on. We got Bradley Beal and a whole bunch of schmucks. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, okay, we got Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook. We got a good front court. Maybe there's something. Yeah. There's something we can do. Um, you know, thoughts on on Houston. For Houston, do you see any change really in, in their projections at all? Nope, they're a five-seeded team that will probably get eliminated in the second round. And that's probably where they're going to stay unless some massive, like, upset yeah. happens. Like, if, like, Utah upsets, like, the Clippers in the first round, they play them or something. Which now is not really that unlikely anymore. Yeah, maybe not. might not be <laughs> unlikely. But if something, like, huge happens where they have a major uh, yeah. advantage, but then they maybe make the conference finals, I guess, if everything goes perfectly for them. Right. But they're... Yeah, they're a semifinal team at best. Okay, yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about... I want to talk about the Pistons here, and then we'll get to the Lakers, all right? It's, it's, it's it is what it is. Um, you know, we, we talked a couple weeks ago, Mike, about how this entire roster is basically overhauled, right? Yeah. Um, they signed the the ball, the third ball brother. Let's mm-hmm. do it. We're doing it the Pistons way. The Pistons kill me because it's like, you know... I, I know they couldn't have drafted the uh, LaMelo, right? But it's just funny if it's like, oh, yeah, you want a ball brother? Let's get the worst one and sign mm-hmm. him to it. You know what I mean? It's just... How we do it's, it. it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, you like that? It's the Detroit way. Let's sign the guy that was really good for about five years before this and then sign him. Let's mm-hmm. do that. Um, but, you know, this I think there's a lot of optimism around this Pistons team, not from a championship perspective like, oh, we're going to just make a run for the ship here, but just the fact that I feel like there's a completely new vision for this team. They got a lot younger in a lot of different spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they, they got better, I think, at some spots too from a, you know – a, from a contract standpoint, but B, 
just you overhauled everything. So mm-hmm. you, you're you're basically starting over and building a foundation. And you did it with three really key picks. You know, especially the Shadiq Bay pick, I love, mm-hmm. and, and the Killian Hayes one. The the center, I'm a little wishy washy. Yeah. But point being is that you got a lot of uh, young guys coming in. Josh Jackson's coming in. Give me give me what you want to see out of this Pistons team this year. You got 72 games. You know, I don't think they're gonna be very good. But at the same time. What do you want to see? Do you want to just see these these young guys similar to what we did with the Tigers last year? Where it's like I just want to see how the young guys play. Just yeah. play them. You have no, you have nothing to lose, so you might as well play them. Are you kind of in a similar boat with the Pistons? Where just play all the rookies and the young guys as much as you can. Um, I mean, no, I want I want them to be competitive as much as they can be. Yeah. I want to see them uh, mix in a good amount of like Derrick Rose and Killing Hayes or yeah. Blake Griffin and whoever right. is behind him um i want to see a nice mix of starter to like like because derrick rose came out and said killing haynes i'm like my job is not to just be better than him i'm trying to like make him better so he can be the face when i leave probably next year or whatever so i want to see i kind of i kind of want to see that transition of derrick rose is probably gonna be the guy earlier but maybe slowly start to to disappear yeah like like in 2k when like you're the rookie guy and you get like 13 minutes to start by every game you get like 14, 15, and you start building yeah. up to a starting spot. Right. That's kind of where I want to see is maybe he has right. 14 minutes the first game or 12 minutes or something, but then two games, three games later, he's like, all right, now I'm at 15, 6, and you're just building up yep. until finally you can take the reins as a starter, hopefully by the end of the year. Right. Kyle, a similar question to you. I mean, what are, I mean, are, are you excited about this vision that Troy Weaver has, right? He, he loves big men, right? He went and signed Mason Plumley to a contract that I still don't like, but I, I got to live with it. But he offsets a little bit. Josh Jackson coming in. He's a former top five pick lottery guy. He's coming in. You got Jaleel Okafor, who's a young guy. You got Killian Hayes. You got Shadiq. Lots of young guys coming in. Give me your thoughts on where this team is. What do you want to see? And are you are you excited for the vision or do you not get the vision? Because I think there's people that are really on both sides of the fence. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for the vision because for this Pistons team now with the leadership they have, yeah. it's kind of weird because as a Detroit fan, there's a lot of times where I've been in the position where like I don't know where this team is going. I don't know if they're yeah, you're gonna, they're going for they're going for the playoffs or they're going to tank. I don't know. Right. And so now that there's a clear defined vision and they know what they're doing, we we know that they're gonna not be good for maybe <laughs> right. a few years, but right. we at least understand that that's gonna mm-hmm. be on an upward trend eventually. Absolutely. And so that's an exciting thing. <clears throat> and I mean, you obviously don't want to have a team that goes whatever wins 10 out of 72 games a year but right, right. but if you have a, a vision and a path i think that like michael said if you if you're working with these rookies to get their starting roles as the veterans leave or get traded or whatever then i feel like in a few years i think i heard like their plan was they wanted to make the playoffs in like three years or something like that right yeah and, and this is this is the commitment to a rebuild right by, yeah. by getting off some of these other contracts and, and really going hard in this draft and giving up some of these guys like the Luke Kennards and the Browns and stuff like that, they made a very verbal commitment where they're like, we're going to be com- we're gonna try to be competitive, but yeah. l- make no mistake about it, we got to tear it down and build it back up. Yeah, so just just by that, I mean, you're not going to win a, a boatload of games, no. especially this year, but... But as your as your rookies now improve as they as they learn, then yeah, it's definitely I see it going on upward. So I mean, give me give me a win total, Mike, real fast here before we talk Lakers. Um, give me a win total. I mean, seventy two games. Do they win thirty games? Is it twenty five games? Are they above five hundred? Or do they squeak into the playoffs somehow? Because Blake Griffin has the greatest year of his life. Like, and he stays healthy. Like, what do you what do you think? Because like that's what they did two years ago, right? They rode Blake Griffin to death, and he, we squeaked in, and then just got obliterated. Yeah, so. I'm gonna go. Uh... 
32 and 40. 32 and 40. That's yeah. actually respectable, I think. It, it with the with the caveat is yeah. that rookies are taking over starting positions. Yeah, well, time. I would I would assume yeah. that the they can finally beat uh some of the bad teams. Yeah. Like I think they can maybe be at a point where they're good enough to beat like the very very bottom of the NBA right mm-hmm. now kind of like where like I would say the Knicks, yeah. maybe like the Bulls, like all those teams that really aren't competitive right now are. Right. Right. And then if you can be good enough to maybe beat some of the, some of the better teams, you're obviously not going to beat the top tier teams. But mm-hmm. Some of the better teams, I think, you get ready right. to. Give me same thing for you, Kyle. Give me a, give me a win total. Are they making the playoffs? Are they winning the NBA championship in four four games? What are they What are they doing? Um, I think they'll win in between like twenty five to thirty games. Twenty five thirty games. Yeah. I think that's a fair fair number. I don't think they're going to be very good. Um, and honestly, I I think that especially depending on how they start out, you know, in the first 15, mm-hmm. 20 games, if they're like eight and 12 or something like that, then maybe you start to start, you really need to kind of jumpstart those minute boosts, get Derrick Rose traded to a contender and start playing some of these guys. Because if, if you're going to suck, you might as well suck while developing guys yeah. and, and you might play loose and just let the kids go. Right. And then if you terrible, okay, then we got a good shot of getting a lottery pick then rather than, all right, we got a clinging clutch to these veterans taking up minutes. I mean, Blake Griffin's going to get his minutes regardless, but everybody else is pretty much like, you don't got no real guarantee, nothing yeah. outside of maybe Jeremy Grant. So, you know, you got a lot younger in a lot of different spots. I'm excited for the first time in a long time about watching this team just simply off the potential aspect of it. I just want to see him play and be like, this could be something. Yes. So that, that's exciting. All right, finally, we'll get to it. We'll talk Lakers. Anthony Davis, he signs his Supermax deal. I like that, $193 million. He's going to get number 23 at some point, too, because LeBron's a nice guy. He's going to take over number six. LeBron signs a two-year extension. Buy a new jersey. You got to buy a new jersey. Oh damn! I wasted all that money buying the first one. Um, uh, what was I say? LeBron signs a two-year extension. You know, so it, it, you know, yippee skippy. Um, they've made a lot of big moves. The Clippers have gotten progressively worse. No one can argue that fact. Uh, and they paid Marcus. Is it Marcus Morris or Marquise? Marcus? Is it Marcus? I don't. Yeah, Marquise is the Piston guy. He's not on the Pistons either. He's on the. He was no, on the Lakers, he was. Right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Marcus yeah. Morris gets a massive contract for whatever reason. Um, and so, you know, the Lakers are definitely looking like the favorites again, you know, especially with going on in the East or in the, in the West, you know, Clay Thompson's out again, you know, so I, and you don't, you don't have, you have no idea what's going to come out of the East right now. Like if we're being honest with ourselves, I don't think that you can firmly say the heat will be back. You can't say the, like the, the Celtics will be back because the Celtics have gotten an overhaul too. You can't say the it's going to work this time in Philadelphia. You can't say that, the, that the Nets are just going to gel and become the number one seed. So the Lakers are really the only team, in my opinion, right now that you look at and you go, we're going to see them at minimum in the Western Conference Finals without really much of a doubt. So my thought is this, is that, I mean, are you on are you on my wavelength here when it comes to that? And two, what are you worried about? Being a LeBron fan, Are you what are you worried about for this team? Because I know you want to see them win again. Yes. What's your concern? Well, Okay, I don't well, see a lot of it right now. Yeah, I, I'm gonna start without. I'm gonna start from the earlier point that yeah. I'm gonna talk about maybe another team. I will say the Nets should be a lock for the Eastern Conference Finals. Should be. Should be. Now that's contingent on people telling me that Kevin Durant is the best, second best player in basketball. Now I. Well, he can't be the second best because Kawhi is number one, right? Yeah, exactly. So then. <laughs> So, exactly. And then LeBron's number seven, right? Yeah, so, that, yeah, so I don't know where he gets put in there. 
because that's obviously how it works here. Oh, good um, but yeah, so Kevin, <laughs> to me, Kevin Durant's the second best player in basketball. Yeah. I don't think it's very close. Um, so it's LeBron's three. <laughs> to LeBron's three. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just gonna keep going. It's fine. Sorry, continue. No, I'll keep but yeah, <laughs> so so Kevin Durant's the second best player. So as a top two player in basketball, I think that you should be able to lead your team, a right. very good team, by the way, because you have pieces. You have a there. lot of pieces. You Brooklyn's have Karis, good. Karis LeVert's playing very well. Kyrie Irving is very good. Do they have Dinwiddie still too? Still have Din, they still have Dinwiddie. Yeah, and they have uh, they have Jared Allen. Jared Allen, who's like the seven yeah, foot. He's like he's a very good big. He's got yeah. He's got an yeah. afro. Oh, well, he's got an afro. So he's literally. taller than he actually is. Yeah, he's actually like 7'2", oh, okay. actually. Okay. Um, so all jokes aside, sure, I, I all jokes aside, I think the Nets are a pretty hard lock for the, for the Easter Conference Finals. And if they're not, I think that's something... To be, ta- well, to be talked well, about. Don't trust me. Come on, we know we know yes. what we do on this show. If you're a lot, if you're supposed to be a quote unquote lock for something and you don't do it, a la Clippers, a la Bucks, we're gonna you yeah. know, rip you a new one. So, so those are the two teams I would have locks for the conference finals. Okay. I think I think the East is very competitive outside of that. I think yeah. you would say early that the Bucks would be a favorite, but I think you saw what the Heat could do right. to them. Right. Um, and the Bucks. Let's be clear. The Bucks have not. I would not say have gotten "quote unquote" better. They've gotten better. I, I don't. I don't think they have. And they've here's why. I think. I don't think that they've done enough to get them any. Because at the end of the day, the offense is still going to have to run through Giannis. Agreed. So I don't. I'm not confident that the moves that they who did they trade for? What was the guy? Drew Holiday. For? Drew Holiday, right? And Drew Holiday is very good, no He's doubt about good. it. He's very good. However, is that going to be enough with Middleton to get you over the hump? If if we're if Giannis is rendered somewhat neutral yeah. that's that's the question right and i don't know if that is going to be enough for other these teams that I, are just gonna play I, think, solid I think i think i think it is but again I'm, that's why i'm not locking right. the bucks though right is i'm locking the nets and they also gave up a lot yeah I'm, I'm locking the nets i'm not locking the bucks for anything yeah and in the west the lakers are the only team i can lock because mm-hmm. i think also outside of the lakers i think you can argue Dallas with Luca. If Luca has what potential well, if could be Porzingis an Porzingis can just stay healthy, that would help. If Porzingis is healthy and Luca plays like he does, yeah, the, they have a chance. You saw what Denver can do. Yep. I guess Houston can be a name. That I think the Jazz there. are right there too. The Jazz are up there. Uh, the Clippers yeah. have Kawhi Leonard, so they should be up there too. Yeah. And then even the Warriors have a very deep bench, even though you lose I can Clay. Argue, you can argue, you know, I think the Suns are a team that are Suns are like, on the rise. Are on a, they're on the lower end of that, but Chris Paul has willed less to more. So yeah. So yeah. you have I would say I would, uh, Portland Trailblazers with yeah, no, with yeah, Damian Lillard. Yeah. Like you have like eight or nine teams where I'm like most of those teams I just named probably won't make it. Of course, but. Um, I would. I, is, can, is that, I can make an argument for those eight teams, but I can't argue the Lakers not being there right, right now. Right. So I would have Lakers and Nets as locks. Okay, give me, give me. If you are a Lakers fan, yes. or if you're somebody that wants to see the Lakers lose, give me, give somebody some hope on why they okay. want to lose. Yes. What What's their hole right now? They still have shooting. They're still. I mean, you got your two biggest players. You just signed Montrezl Harrell or whatever how you pronounce his yeah. yeah how you pronounce his name. He's coming over now, right? Mm-hmm. What what is the is it the point guard position right now? But LeBron plays point forward anyway. But you know it, you know Rondo played a big part in, mm-hmm. in what they did. Dwight Howard played a really big role for them, allowing Anthony Davis to kind of roam a little yeah. bit and not have to protect as much. They've lost pieces. But I don't think they've lost anything so much yes. valuable that they're going to be like vulnerable in an issue. So well, give me, you follow the team better than I do. Give me a reason why they could be in, in trouble. Yeah, there are two reasons why they could be in trouble. Uh, the first reason would be um, 
I think they don't have as good perimeter shooting as they did yeah. Yeah, last year. Through the, yep. Yeah, you lost uh, Danny Green. A- Avery Bradley's not going to be there or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's a big defensive cornerstone. So you have Dennis Schroeder and KCP, but they are very streaky. on and off streaky. So they I would hate KCP too, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, so I would, I would be worried about that. And also, for every LeBron team since probably 2007 8, the biggest concern has been when LeBron comes off the court, what, what do? do you have? Right. And right now, I think my concern is you don't have that piece. Yeah. Anthony Davis is obviously there, but Rondo was really the piece for those that six minutes. Facilitate it out. It yeah. facilitates, yep. and everything rolls through him, right. and it, it worked, as you saw, because they won right. a finals last year. Yep. When he comes off the court, can Dennis Schroeder be that piece, or right. can... Anthony yeah. Davis step up and maybe be that piece, or mm-hmm. who's gonna be that piece? I guess right. I think that's also your concern. If you can fix both, if you have good perimeter shooting, and if LeBron comes off the court, and he doesn't have a minus. I think you can just have one of those two things, and I think you'll probably be set in yeah. the West, at, le- at least the West, because yeah. like I said, and, and you mentioned it before, I don't see any team really that's gonna rival them outside. I mean, the Clippers on paper maybe, but like even then, I'm not confident in that combination. I think Paul George is awful, so yeah. it is what it is. Kyle, similar question to you. I mean. You know, there is a common theme here with a lot of these LeBron championship teams. There's a guy outside of LeBron that makes that team go, right? Whether it's Ray Allen coming in and providing that extra sharpshooting, right? Kyrie on fire coming back down from 3-1, right? Like, there are are guys that that rise up in those moments outside of LeBron that that help get them over the top, right? Like, LeBron brings them to the dance and says, okay, I'm going to still do my thing, but I need somebody else... I'll, you know, even those Heat teams, right? Like, okay, you had Wade Bosch, but it's like, okay, I need another, I need that Ray Allen guy mm-hmm. to come in and really make this happen. I needed a, who was their point guard at the time? Uh, Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers, right? Where, like, but, but the point is, though, he played meaningful minutes for yeah. those guys, right? So I need a Udonis Haslam, whatever the case may be. And they relied on that last year with a Rondo, with a Dwight Howard, with a Danny Green making clutch shots at the right time. KCP had the greatest stretch of his career. Give me a flaw for this Lakers team. If I'm a not opposing coach, how do I beat the Lakers? Outside of bashing LeBron's knee in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're an opposing coach, I mean, it's it's hard to come up with, what, especially what they've added to beat this team, especially in like a seven-game series. I think a very underrated thing was in, uh, in the PlayStation. PlayStation. In the, the play, PlayStation. in the playoffs last yeah. year, I think I think as as much as he didn't do, I think Dwight Howard was a huge piece in, in the paint just yeah. to be there. He didn't do a lot, but he was just there. No, he, he, he was a rim protector. Yeah, he I did know. what Anthony Davis didn't have to do. So Anthony yeah. Davis was allowed to be athletic yeah. and be a freak. Yeah, exactly. So just his presence, yeah, had, down low. Yeah, yeah, caused the ball to have to be moved around the paint more. Couldn't be driven in as much. Yep. I don't think that's a huge piece. I think I think if you're an opposing team, I think you take advantage of some of these new guys. Some of these not like because Rondo was like a veteran, a veteran guy who yeah. knew what to do in a situation in in plenty of situations. He's been in the finals before, right? I think like attacking a Dennis Schroeder, all the all the new guys they got, and especially when LeBron's not on the floor, the floor. Because the, a, a big thing about LeBron, you probably heard before, is that he makes his teammates better. He makes. I've mean, never heard that once. You never heard it. <laughs> I haven't either. I mean, I. I mean, I. I was the first one. He to, never passes the ball. It's ridiculous. Ball hog. So, so when LeBron's on the floor, it's, yeah. Because especially saw us when he was on. The Cavs. Below the average Cavs, Cavs team. Right. When when LeBron was out, they would put up a twenty. It was a, tw- it was a twelve point swing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So attacking attacking when. So funny. At, they're at their weakest, essentially, right. when they're at their weakest, essentially. Right. But other than that, I mean, like, with what they've I, added. I guess the question for hard. you guys is, are we? when are we going to see the transition from it being LeBron's team to Anthony Davis's team? 
Because, okay, LeBron signed a two-year extension, mm-hmm. right? But LeBron's going to be, what, 34, 35, right, mm-hmm. going into this season? I mean, you're, you're every day is one day closer to 40, right? Yep. And he's not going to be – I get it. He's a genetic freak. I understand. But he's never going to – he can't be this way all the time. I guess, you know, we can keep saying it, but Brady's still doing it. But it's whatever. But point is – is at some point he's going to slow down, yes. right? When are we going to see, is it this year? Is it next year? Are we going to see the transformation where LeBron is still going to be a good player? But LeBron yeah. is not always going to be the best player on the floor at all times. Yeah. When are we going to see the transition from him to Anthony? Because Anthony Davis, while he played great, Anthony Davis was up and down in those finals and in the Western Conference. Where it, was like, it, was like, it was like, okay, Anthony Davis plays well, we won the game. Anthony Davis doesn't play well, and LeBron's got a shoulder at all. They were 500. Mm-hmm. So it's like LeBron needed him to kind of step up his yeah. game, and he did in key moments. But when are we going to see Anthony Davis take, I guess, the final step and like, nope, the Lakers are now my team, and I need to ha- I need to be the one that LeBron is going to assist me, not the other way around. Yeah, well, I, I, I thought you saw it last year through the course of the playoffs. I think um, Anthony Davis stepped up hugely, and LeBron relied on him a lot yeah. in the early and late games of all of those games that yeah. were close. Um, like half of them, um, but this upcoming season, I don't see. I think I think you'll start to see it more mm-hmm. through this through yeah. this season and through right. this off season. But I think it's going to be the year after where you really see it. Yeah. And I think it's because I think you'll see it in the finals if I if my prediction of Nets Lakers is a thing because mm-hmm. I think you're gonna love need to see that, you're gonna need love, love to see you're that. gonna need AD to be a tank or yeah. KD's gonna shoot you off the floor basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the next year when the Warriors are finally 100 percent healthy, right. when the Clippers when Kawhi finally builds whatever, whatever they're building in the Clippers. Um, when all these they fire another coach and trade Paul George. <laughs> when the when the true drought, Drew Holiday, Giannis yeah. connection finally gets like when all these teams yeah. start like okay we're at the peak of everything you're gonna need okay now Anthony Davis needs to be the peak right and of everything right. and I think it's probably gonna be after this upcoming season okay. so the twenty okay. twenty one season it's it's exciting you know it's just something to think about right because I think at times and we I think we do this as sports fans too where it's hard to imagine people not being themselves i guess like i know it's a weird sentence to say but like when you think when you watch a tampa bay bucks game now and you see brady at quarterback you tend to already almost immediately lean to the buccaneers right because they have tom brady at quarterback it's similar i think in, in lebron's situation where you just look at it and you go okay is lebron playing all right i'm gonna take that team it doesn't you know what i mean J- just based off of that right it's like i i don't think the lakers will ever not be a favorite in the entire year right they'll be favorites in every single game they play this year barring injuries right yeah. so for me it, it, it you, but we do work we are going to see that point we're sitting with tom brady right now i'm gonna keep using tom because tom you know is the greatest quarterback of all time so it's like you look at it and you're like okay you're seeing issues with tom now right the long ball has not been consistently there he's he's been he's thrown more interceptions this year than he has in a long time things aren't the same mm-hmm. right at some point lebron is not going to be the lebron that he is yeah i would say to the last point before we move on from yeah. this yeah i think the one thing that keeps lebron turning is, is people is passing is, is the yeah. passing yeah. will keep him in the league for yeah. as long as his likes to be his yeah. body and his legs will allow him to be yeah because unlike people like say Kobe, Jordan, yep. these guys who are like, I have to shoot, and we have to score to win. Mm-hmm. And when you kind of lose your touch on shooting or mm-hmm. not being able to well, score just, as yeah, well, well you just get older. Yeah, right? you just get older and you can't do it as well. Yep. LeBron can go down to 15 points per game and pass yep. and get 10, 11 assists and right. still be efficient as he can. Yeah, so I think sure. his that's why it's so much yeah. longer, and it can sustain right. way longer than everyone else. Absolutely. So I think Absolutely. it's going to be a, still a good amount of time before you see 
any kind of yeah. diminished because of returns that. from that. Yeah. yeah, it could be right. You know, I'm I'm just waiting for the day where he just goes, yeah, I'm kind of done because <laughs> it's gonna shun like shockwaves like through everything. No, because we'll have, we'll have Bronny to, to cheer on. Yeah, he'd be a future Piston. Yeah, he's gonna Piston draft him. Uh, LeBron's gonna sign a one year with the Pistons. And they're gonna win a title together. T- like, like, this is it would never happen. But if that actually happened, can yeah. you imagine? Well, it would be with the Pistons. It would be with like anybody else. No, it'd be literally. He would like. Well, if if like if the Pistons had the number one overall pick, and they're like, because at some point here, pretty quickly, I think the NBA is gonna go back to you can just draft kids out of high school. I'm, I'm sensing that's coming. This COVID thing, I think, has delayed that, but I think that's where they were kind of heading anyway, because it doesn't do anything good for the colleges anyway to have one and dones. So I think there's a very high possibility where it's like. The Pistons are going to be like, hey, maybe we just rebuild for a little bit, and then we just go, oh, hey, look, LeBron's son is there. We're going to take him with the caveat that LeBron comes with him for one season to yell at him for us so that we don't have to. And then LeBron becomes a part stakeholder in the team, and everything's right in the world. <laughs> they trade him to Cleveland, and then we're all sad again. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. and then we go to LeBron's final game at the uh, at the, at yeah, the Little Caesars. Little Caesar, at the LCA. Yeah. And that's the game where like he breaks his leg and it's all gross. And I was like, oh, now he's gonna walk with a limp for the rest uh, of his life. That'd be horrible. Sad. All right, <laughs> that's really depressing. Think about. <laughs> Let's talk college football here to end this week's show. Um, we're kind of getting down to the nitty gritty. Last couple games, shocker, Michigan not in the Final Four picture right now. I know. Joe I will Milton, say Kyle was probably shot. Joe Milton was gonna be the savior. And then I wish I had a saved text from Kyle <laughs> that said, "Man, this schedule is like really easy. We might be able to go undefeated to Ohio State." <laughs> I wish I saved that text message, but I deleted it. Oh, when five Penn State comes in and wins by ten, it's fine. Um, <laughs> we can laugh about it because it's depressing and it makes us sad. But um, no, so we're, we're you know we're really getting down to the nitty gritty here. I want to touch on something though, real quick, before I get your guys' final four predictions. Um, there, there is a possibility that there are a couple teams out there right now, like Ohio State is the one that I'm really focusing on here, that could potentially be excluded from the Final Four just simply based on the fact that they're not going to be able to play enough games. And that's scary, right? Because it's it's, it's, it's one of those things, but you say that, but like if Michigan gets canceled, and they're, like they're, the, Michigan's canceled right now. They canceled mm-hmm. last week. So with the Big Ten regulations where you got to wait three weeks before you can play, mm-hmm. this, is a, this is a big deal. So... Are you concerned at all that any team is going to be affected in that way where you're like, oh, like we're going to be missing out on a couple teams because they were shut down by COVID? Or there's a team that you think is good enough but has lost some games, like Clemson losing to Notre Dame because Trevor Lawrence didn't play. Are you concerned that we're going to see a team maybe ousted from the Final Four simply based off of what has happened with COVID? Uh, Well, I think the only team that even has a possibility of being ousted is Ohio State because everyone else has played substantial enough games right, to right, show yeah, yeah. credibility to get into the Final Four if you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ohio State, the Big Ten athletic office or whatever, came out and said, if you have five wins, we'll slide you into the Big Ten ter- uh, title game. So then they'll have six, oh, which, really? will, which will qualify oh, them geez. for the Final Four. Well, so no matter what, I think Ohio State, that's why I yeah. scuffed at it, yeah. because I literally read a report that they were like, if Ohio State can't play because Michigan was the reason they can't play, yeah. then they'll make an exclusion and let them play in the Big Ten title game. Because okay. it wasn't their own doing that they had yeah, COVID with someone it. else. Yeah. Um. So then, Ohio State would get six, be able to get in and get it. So that and that's the only team I think that would be excluded, yeah. nonetheless. Okay. Okay. Um. So are we concerned about any other team at all? Like that, you know, that has a loss or maybe even two losses? Because right now you're looking, at it, you're like, man, you know, there's a technical possibility that maybe a two loss team could get in, which would be really weird uh, and kind of gross. But at the same time, you could maybe see it. We got a couple games left on the schedule, obviously. 
stuff happens pretty quickly. Are you concerned at all that, like, if Clemson were to lose another game, for yeah. instance, right? Okay, now they got two losses. You're like, oh, boy, does Cincinnati now take their spot because the ACC is kind of weak? But, kind of, you know what I mean? So is there, is there any concern for you at all that the, the best four teams won't be in it at the end? Um, and then give me your four teams. No, I think I think regardless of just about any outcome, I think the, the top four teams will make it. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe pending one. Yeah. But for the most part, I think they're all they're all pretty locked. Okay. Um, so my four would be Alabama would be my one. Notre Dame would probably Notre Dame or Clemson are two and three yeah. depending. It's hard to it's hard to because it, it's hard to differentiate. Well, Notre Dame's not going to play a championship game, right? No, they're they're, they're playing, playing Clemson. Clemson. Because they're included in the ACC. Oh, they are year. playing the ACC yeah. this year. Oh, see, that's I think Clemson if one if be... one of those teams loses, do they get kicked out or do they? Both I think if Clemson does, because that's two losses. I think if then? Clemson does, they have the they they're the team that has the biggest chance of getting kicked out if someone were to. If get they were to lose out. to Notre Dame again, I think if Notre Dame loses to Clemson, I think that Notre Dame's like, okay. That's our one loss. Yeah, I think Notre Dame just drops to four. Yeah, and they they just won't do a rematch. Right. And be, do, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, two and three for one and four. Right. Yeah. But I think if Clemson loses again, even though I know Trevor Lawrence wasn't there for the first time, yeah. I think that okay, two losses and you don't have the ACC championship and you don't have any other statement wins on the year. Yeah. I think that's where you go. Uh oh. And then I think that could slide in Cincinnati. I don't think they'll get in, but that slides in Cincinnati if Clemson gets out or if Ohio State loses. I think Ohio State's five. Clear. Who's five? Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Okay. But they're not playing in the SEC championship game, and they've lost, I think, two games, and they're two games were the only two good, two, two two good, good games. Two good teams? <laughs> yeah, yeah they, right. they got their ass blown out by Alabama and, I think, by Florida. So, okay. And those are going to be the two teams in the SEC championship game. Right. Florida, six, but they're playing Alabama, and I'm assuming Alabama's just going to, like, roll over them. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. I guess if this Florida is one, wins, that's This that is that one of the few years change. that I think that the championship games actually, like, have, like, legitimate meaning, because most yeah. of the time, like, you see... What was the one year? I think Clemson played Duke or something in the ACC championship yeah. game, and I was like, "All right, you know what I mean," or something. It was something really like yeah. heavy-handed like that, or you know, um, last year Ohio State played Northwestern mm-hmm. for the Big Ten title game. And you're like, "Okay, sure," mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So this is one of the first few years that we've seen where these championship games are really going to be like, "Oh, all right, like this is going to mean something." And I'm assuming your four is Ohio State then. Yeah. So you got so Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, just as of right now, until the, the championship game. And then Ohio, Ohio State. State yeah. And then who is your team that you have the highest chance of getting in? Is it Cincinnati at six? Cincinnati, because I think without Texas A&M having the SEC championship game, I don't. Right. There's I don't, no way I, to make the. I have, for him to yeah, get I don't game. know if they can make yeah. the jump if Clemson leaves. Florida will lose to Alabama, and they'll be too, they'll get kicked out. Cincinnati's undefeated, number seven, and they're probably going to win their AAC championship or yeah, whatever it is, yeah, wh- whatever conference they're in. Mm-hmm. So if they win their conference and they're ten and zero, and then Luke Fickle becomes the head coach of Michigan next yeah. year. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Same question to you. Give me your final four. Who do you who do you see making it? Are you on the same page? Do you think Clemson gets there? Do you think Notre Dame doesn't? Just with the one loss. It, you know, it's it you know it's weird. Notre Dame is always the one for me that's hardest for me to, a lot of years to justify. But this year they have a, I guess, a statement win over Clemson, even though they weren't at full strength. Even then it's kind of like there's an asterisk there. And I feel like every time Notre Dame plays in these big games, they just get demolished. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Oklahoma for me at this point. I'm like, you don't really have a chance, so can we just stop talking about it? Mm-hmm. But give me give me your final well, four. Well, I don't get really much else to say other than Michael. I mean, it's Alabama, Notre Dame, obviously. Be Clemson. Then you got Clemson and then Ohio State. I mean, I think a good game to watch will be Florida versus um, Alabama. I, th- I mean, I still think. Alabama All right, let's play win. that out real quick here. Say Florida wins. Does Bama? I think Bama stays right because they still lose. But then does Florida then get in at four and you just see the rematch? 
Or do you think uh, that who take? Let's just let's play devil's advocate here. Say Clemson wins the AC the ACC championship, right? So yeah. now Notre Dame's got one loss, Bama's got one loss, Florida's got one loss, and Clemson's got one loss mm-hmm. in Ohio State. So Ohio State's in because they're probably going to be undefeated, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, all right. So now, who are your three teams? If that happens the way it happens, where Florida wins and Clemson wins, I think I, I think you kick Ohio State out and you just add Florida. Really? In. Yeah. Really? Now, do you think that's going to cause some kind of an issue though? Because they are from a power, you know, the Power Five conference. They did win the Big Ten champion in, in this hypothetical. They win the Big Ten championship and they're undefeated. Everybody else has at least one loss, whether that's in the championship game themselves. Or in the regular season, or is it just based off resume for you, where you just go, but you don't have a big win over anybody? Michigan sucks. Michigan State sucks. Indiana's probably your statement win of the year. Yeah, that was and, by far the worst game, and you look like absolute. And, and Indiana dog. now is probably going to lose more just because Phoenix is out now, yeah. so that's going to hurt them. I don't know if they will or not, but just you know, if they yeah. drop another loss, if you have a two-loss team, that that's your statement win. That that hurts. Yeah. No, that's exactly. I think resumes. You go. Clemson beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame beat Clemson. So they're. Pretty much equal, and right. one of them is going to win the ACC championship. Right. Uh, Alabama is literally looking like the best team yeah, in, I've in seen football. in a really, really long time. Yeah, they're looking probably. really, really well right now. Uh, and so if uh, Florida can upset them and beat them, I think you, then you have to include Florida because Florida's like, you just beat the best team in college football. Right. And then Alabama, like I said, has just been on fire. Absolutely. They've been demolishing all the top 25 teams they played. Yeah. Like, Ohio State had one top 25 team they played, yeah. and it was they like, are you by. sure you're going to beat this team? Like, mm-hmm. the score looks like it was a lot, but it yeah. was like, Indiana Justin Hansen, Fields had three yeah. picks, and I'm like, are you sure right. that you're actually better than this team? Like, 100%? Right. So I think I think I would have those four. Okay. Yeah, that's it. It's just an interesting Honestly, thought. have it be like... Florida one, Alabama four, and just have them like rematches. Yeah, that'd just be crazy. ACC versus SEC. Like, remember that game you saw last week? Well, let's do yeah, it all over again. I love that. That'd actually be kind of cool because you're like, okay, what adjustments can you make in a week? Yeah. What can you do in one week to does that change the outcome at all? Right? And Florida would probably be like, man, we own. We really just need somebody else yeah, to upset we, us so we don't have to play him again because yeah. nine out of ten times that ain't happening. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? So, like we would you be worried if that happened, though? So say you had a Bama, Florida, Clemson, um, Notre Dame Final Four, right? In any in any scenario, would you be concerned at all that you would see, like, okay, maybe Florida like got lucky, but then they just get demolished by a Clemson or a Notre Dame, and then Alabama just clobbers the other one of those two yeah. teams? Like, I mean, would you be concerned at all that you're like, all right, like, yeah, Florida squeaks in because they pull off an Iron Bowl type of upset, right? Like, yeah. I'm just throwing hypotheticals. And then you get, like, and then they just go out and they choke the big one because they're not really on the same level as as a Clemson or a Notre Dame. Yeah. And, you know, they have, Trevor Lawrence has his day. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how Kyle feels, but I think it's reasonable to say every year that's a possibility because mm-hmm. I'm like, I look at it, like, right now, I go, Ohio State, like we said, hasn't played anybody. So right. Ohio State could be that same where you play Alabama right now, you'll probably get smoked by Alabama right now. Yeah. And same with Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati would have probably one of the better chances, and they'd probably get smoked by Clemson or Alabama or whatever. Right. Right. So I think, like... You it, think no matter who's in that four slot, it's going to be a tough task. I think it's going to be a tough task. If if it goes right and Alabama's that number one, I think yeah. no matter who's in there, I think it's going to be like... Okay. Honestly, there's a, I think there's a small chance the committee would put Cincinnati in there to stop the... Oh my God! These like undefeated, yeah. Yeah, non-power never, fives. Yeah, they never get in. They never yeah. get in. Like right. the, like the UCF and the Western Michigans or whatever yeah. that were like undefeated right. should have been in but weren't. Right. I think like Alabama beats them by like forty five points. And you go. That's, <laughs> That's why. Why? That's you're why not. you didn't put UCF in the Final Four because it would have been a dog show. Yeah. Okay. Give me give me your national champion. Is it Bama? No, it's Clemson. <laughs> you spent all this time talking about how Bama's great, and 
then, by the way, Cubs is still going to do it. Yes. This is just because Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in football. Yes. In college football right yes, now. That's it. That's legitimately it. Okay. Him yeah. and Travis Etienne will will carry them. Travis Etienne's got a hold of the damn ball. Um, but, uh, all right, so you got Bama Clemson again, and Dabo uh, gets, gets the nod? Yes. All right, okay. Kyle? Bama. National Bama. Bama? Bama. Bama over who? Clemson. Clemson? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bama over Clemson. So Nick Saban gets the... Is this, will this be the fourth time they've met? Or this the third time? This would be the fourth. The fourth time. Okay. So Saban evens it up then, two to two, right? Yes. So that'd be interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, it's tough. It's tough for me because this college football season has been so weird, right? Like, I, I, I... Man, it's hard for me to bet against Clemson because even when they lost to Notre Dame, it was like... They really had a chance to win that yeah, football game. I, I look at yeah, see, I look at that all the way up to when they play Alabama, which would be a tough game. Yeah, I go. You were missing your top five defensive players against Notre yeah. Dame and you your know Trevor Lawrence, right? So I was the number like, one pick in the draft. Yeah, so you're missing all of that, and you lost in like what triple overtime to Notre right, Dame. Right, that's something. kind of my. So then I'm my, like, so yeah. if like you beat them, and then you're playing whoever, or you'd be the two, so you're playing yeah. the three. You'd probably play like Ohio State or Cincinnati or whoever gets in, whoever. Or you play Notre Dame again, and then you could probably just beat them again. That's my concern. You know with Notre, I mean? Notre Dame is the one that I'm always I'm always iffy on. Like I said before, because I feel like they're not they're good, but they're not great. They yeah. don't do anything particularly well, and it just seems like every couple of years it just kind of works out where they go on a big run. Yeah. But they're not actively in the conversation, in my opinion. When you look at it, apples apples, where they play in Alabama, and you go, yeah, Notre Dame's got a shot to win this game. Like I have no confidence that Ian Book can beat Alabama's defense, like zero no, percent. You know what I mean? So like that's always my concern. That's why I'm like. Maybe Notre Dame doesn't even make the Final Four because I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie to you. I I think I take the credibility of what Ohio State was able to do last year with some of the things that they did against Clemson, where that game was literally one mistimed throw away from Ohio State winning that game. Mm-hmm. So if that guy goes right instead of left, the game's over, right? So it's it, it's one of those things where like I'd almost rather lean Ohio State just based off the fact that I think they have a better chance of competing at that level. But at the same time, to your point. It's hard based off of how they've played this year for me to go, it's a guarantee that Ohio State's going to play better because you haven't seen it. And they lost so many pieces last year. Ohio State did that I don't think enough people are talking about. So it, there's some – there's some. You know, I'm going to say Bama probably gets it, but it's it's by a sliver. Just because I think that, you know, it's hard to bet against Saban. It really is. It is. It's like kind of hard to bet against I, – I still have a small thing that I think New England's going to back into the playoffs. I don't know how, but it's just going to be one of those things where, like, they, like – Oh, by the way, we're the seventh seed, and then they get destroyed by whoever. But like, sure. it's, the point is, yeah. it's like he just kind of wills it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, okay, last topic, real quick before we end the show. I forgot. I almost forgot about this. All right, would you rather? We've been hearing some rumors now that the Eagles are potentially not happy with Doug Peterson. Okay, Super Bowl winning guy beat Belichick in his own game with Nick Foles as his quarterback. Um, Anthony Lynn is potentially on the hot seat as well. I'm not as intrigued in him more the Doug Peterson one, but anyway. Or would you rather hire a, a Robert Salah or Saleh, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, an Eric Bieniemy, whoever your top guy is, Gutenkurs from whoever, blah, 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 blah. Um, wh- what would you rather have? Kyle, I'll start with you. Would you rather, I'm not talking GM, just head coach. Would you rather go with the more a guy who's already has head coaching experience that is that has a proven winner? I'm gonna let's just say Doug Peterson's the guy, right? I'm taking Anthony Lynn out of it. But would you rather get a guy like Doug Peterson? He's won a Super Bowl. He turned the Eagles to a championship contender. They've been competitive. They make the playoffs on a pretty consistent basis. They even still technically have a shot now. And he's done some good things. He comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree, which is a lot more fruitful than anything Belichick's done. Or 
Would you rather get the new hotness, the Robert Soleil's, the Eric Bieniemy's, the guy that he's never been a head coach? A lot of people like both these guys, um, but with the risk of you don't really know how they're going to be as a head coach, and there's the possibility that it could turn into another Matt Patricia type of situation where this is all the hope in the world goes to complete garbage two weeks or uh, two quarters in against the Jets. So give me your. What would you rather have the the more experienced guy as a head coach or the new hotness? I personally like to risk it for the biscuit, so I'm going to go for the new hotness. <laughs> I, love it. I love the risk I, for the I, biscuit. I, I do like... Mike is super happy, so I wonder what his answer is, but continue. I personally like Eric Bieniemy. how do you say it? Because I... I, I don't. I, I, don't. I, I, I with this, myself with this scheme... Mike, Mike went from so high to so low in a matter of literal seconds. The, I wish we would be filming the show because he literally was like, yeah, to ah, and like immediately. But continue, sorry. Because along with the scheme, I like I like the culture he has. He demands respect from his players, which I, which was the complete yes. opposite from Patricia. Actually, it's complete, no, actually, that's the thing. It's not is that he demanded respect, but he didn't give respect back. That's yeah. the issue. I think <laughs> that the thing is that he'll get the respect that yeah causes a culture for the team. I think okay. that's what you need along with the good play scheme. I think that you need the culture to go with it, just like you see with Jim Harbaugh. You're just so, so, oh, wait, just with Jim Harbaugh, this is not going well. For no. Him. Just like it's with his players yeah. not believing in him. Okay. With the players not believing in the system, and that's how you yeah. have problems and all those problems, and fire, coaches get fired. Okay. Yeah. And with and that's all I got. <laughs> okay. Um. Can I before I ask Mike this? At the beginning of the at the beginning of this this season, right? I would say Eric Bieniemy would probably on my top list. But with what has happened, a lot of things have kind of opened my eyes. Number one, right, with the enemy. Even though if he may or may not be calling the plays, right, I think you run into the risk of it turning into Patriots version two, just offensively. Where yeah. you're in, you're assuming that if you hire Eric Bieniemy, you are going to be getting the Kansas City Chiefs offense yeah. with Patrick Mahomes a quarterback. You're not going to get that. That's the problem. You know what I mean? Because Mahomes can overshadow and can cover up flaws because of how good he is, right? And whether it's Stafford or a rookie quarterback, right? And I'm I it's hard for me because I tend to lean offensively as a head coach because for whatever I just feel like it, it fits better for one way or the other. But at the same time, the enemy's a little scary because I, I think you run a high risk of just doing the same thing you did with Patricia, but just with Kansas City now, right? Where you know you're gonna try to replicate what Kansas City's doing, but you don't have the speed like they have, you don't have the infrastructure like they have, you don't have the quarterback, and you don't have Andy Reid. So the, those are those are some of my concerns with the enemy. I still think he's going to be high on their list, and I think he's going to get an interview. I'm also reading reports that he does not interview well at all. So that's also another big thing where he just walks in like, give me the job. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that scares me a little bit as well. Not trying to tear it up, but like for me personally. Mike, same question to yes. you. Do you want Doug Peterson or a guy who has head coaching experience before, who has done things well, like – even before you know, we hired Caldwell, everyone was on the Wizenhunt train because he took Arizona to a Super Bowl, turned Kurt Warner around. Do you want somebody like that, or do you want the new hotness? Do you want Robert Saleh? Do you want the offensive coordinator out of Tennessee? Do you want the defensive coordinator out of Indianapolis? What you know? What what's your thoughts? Uh, well, I will agree to halfway what Kyle said. <laughs> I will agree. I want the new. The, I guess you could call it the new hotness, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But I'm going to go a different side. I want. Robert Saleh, yeah, defensive coordinator for the 49ers, okay, so badly that it's like not even funny actually. Really? So you're like, like super on the slide. Oh, train. I am super on the train. Yeah. And if I'm completely wrong, we can look back in this like three years from now and, and go, like, you were ah! super wrong. But I am super hard on his train. And I would say the difference between for me between him and Patricia is, and and kind of the difference between Andy Reid and Belen, Belenemy, yeah, whatever. 
um, is they are coordinators of a head coach that are the same thing. That's so, a great point. So, like, Andy Reid and Bienmi are both offensive-minded guys. Right. Matt Patricia and Belichick are defensive guys. Right. I think the difference between Saleh is he's a defensive guy to a head coach who's an offensive guy. Right. So you know... He's okay. calling the plays. You know there's he's a, calling the no, plays. Uh, there's no influence from the head coach yeah. helping you call plays and doing everything. He's doing it's him. He's doing more yeah. of like a Sean McVay thing where he's like he is the guy running this right. defense right now. And then Wade right Phillips was the head coach of the defense. Exactly. Where I think Slay right now is the head coach of the defense. And if we can get any kind of semblance of what that defense and bring it to Detroit somehow, I think it would be. Fantastic. And here's why I think a lot of people are high on Slay too, and is because he's what they're doing in San Francisco right now, not last year, right now. They are banged up to high heaven. They don't have a starter on that defense right now. That's not help. That's not mm-hmm. hurt, and they're still playing really well defensively. So I think that is a big. He's from Michigan. It fits every freaking thing. It, does. it really does. Like the story writes itself. He's also my top guy as well personally. Um, I I tend to lean offense usually just in general when it comes to these. Um, just based off the fact that I feel like it's sometimes it's easier to get a defensive coordinator than it is to get an offensive coordinator to really make things run the right way. Plus, if you get an offensive guy and you're you're getting to the point where Stafford is nearing the end of his time here in Detroit, you would assume I think that sometimes it's kind of easier for like okay, if you're an offensive coordinator like McVay is like okay, they got Goff, I can work with Goff, I yeah. know what Goff can do kind of thing. Whereas a defensive guy, you're like. Yeah, you tend defensive guys tend to want to run the ball more, mm-hmm. and that's not really where the league is going. Mm-hmm. It's more, you know, you got to air it out. So, but Saleh is definitely my first choice. The biggest thing for me is he's got to be a player coach. He has to be somebody that people enjoy playing for, and then you need to be able to make those connections to get good coordinators in, right? Even if Saleh's gonna call the defense, fine, I don't care, but. You need to get a bona fide stud guy at, at OC. You have to because you're, this defense needs so much work, right? Let me make the case for Doug Peterson, though, if he gets fired, okay? Just to play devil's advocate here, right? Number one, he's won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Number two, the Eagles have never been this competitive since Andy Reid, right? Mm-hmm. Number three, I do think that Doug Peterson is one of the few guys to come from, from another coaching tree and make it his own and be successful at it, right? I think he's done a pretty nice job. Take the Wentz struggles this year out of it just for a second. Wentz has played really well. Mm-hmm. He was on an MVP kind of tear that year. They won the Super Bowl before he got hurt. So, you know, Peterson has a has a proven track record of developing guys, right? The biggest issue that I think that Peterson is having right now, and I think this also goes to Howie Roseman, the, the GM, is that they're not drafting well. And that is a huge flaw, and I think that's a stain a little bit on on Peterson's time in Philadelphia a little bit, is because they're not drafting well, and their free agent signings aren't aren't panning out very well either. And the the lack of depth and the lack of adaptability that Peterson is now having to face, mm-hmm. because if we look at that team that won the Super Bowl outside of Wentz, that whole team was healthy, everybody mm-hmm. was playing on fire, right? But I think that if Peterson came, Doug Peterson came in, I don't. There's worse options. Let me put it that way. Okay, I agree. My counterpoint to that would be, would do you think that Doug Peterson yeah. is benefiting from having an awful division, though? Um, and, yeah, I, and I only say that because yeah. I think when you look at, well, they win the division all the right. time. I'm like, yeah, yeah, when you're eight wins and can win the division, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. fine. Yeah, I think sure. Saleh, even though he's not the head coach, yeah. is working in a probably – I look at the toughest division in football right is the NFC West. Absolutely. You have to play the Seahawks twice, you have to play the Cardinals twice, and you and have the to Rams play twice. Rams twice. All good and teams. you have five or six wins because of your defense, even though it's built yeah. to pieces right now because right. of all the injuries, yep. has only allowed like – 
nineteen points per game or something. Absolutely. Against very tough competition, where no I think doubt. the Eagles in, and with an offense at, that literally has to run the ball in order to score. Yeah, because they can't throw the ball. Right. So you're so limited on what you can do. Yeah, it's being so successful. Where I think Doug Peterson, I would say outside of the Super Bowl year, because yep. they got really hot and they had like thirteen wins or whatever. Yep, yep, I right. think like last year you can look. Well, I mean, they were playing out of the mind. They got to they squeaked in and won the division. I'm like, yeah, but you had seven, eight wins or something, right, right. and you got I, it. So I, I was like, yeah. So I think I think you're right. And I think, when you're playing in the NFC yeah. North, you need 11 wins. Yeah, I would agree and disagree because I agree with you in the sense that, like, yeah, their division is so hot and cold a lot yeah. of times, right? But I think at the same time, I, I think there's a little bit where you got to go, yeah, but, like, if you look at it, Dallas has always at least has eight to nine wins a year, right? I think that the Giants, before this little bit there, were kind of always hovering around 500. The Redskins have usually been a dumpster fire, right? So they've always had to at least outskirt Dallas at some point. But I think more to your point is that when they get in, they've actually played really well. You look at those years where it's like, okay, they squeak in, they beat a very good Bears team mm-hmm. with one of the best defenses in the league, right? They they almost they pulled off the upset the next week against, I don't even know who they were playing at the time, but they like they 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 just look prepared in the playoffs right mm-hmm. now what but i think your point is very valid in saying that yeah but you need 11 wins probably to win the division in the nfc north right minnesota even though they're up and down the years that they're up they're really really good yeah. and when they're down they're bad the right. bears are same way and the packers are always going to be at 10 wins pretty much at the start of the year okay 10 wins okay do they get any more yeah so i think you're 100 percent accurate on that um it, it's just one of those things. I don't personally want Doug Peters. Let me be clear. I, I'm on the slave train as well with you. Like, I'm just trying to make the argument for the viewer to, or for the listener here to be like, okay, but what about this? Like, and, it, and it's hard, right? Because I think with Jim Caldwell, that was some things I think people liked about Jim Caldwell is that, oh, he's gone to a Super Bowl. He's anything. I'm like, yeah, but he went to a Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's team and he had Peyton Manning. Like, that's a pretty easy freaking recipe to have, you know? Um, but I think that this, and this, you know, the funny thing is that if you would have asked people two years ago, Doug Peterson or any, not just Soleil or Biennemi, but any offense coordinator, they go, I want Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. So it's it's amazing just how a couple years changes people's thing. If if their three options are Biennemi, Soleil, and Peterson, it's not the worst options that you could have. No, Let me put not. it that way. I think Biennemi right now is pretty much, I've kind of talked myself out of him just because I am so gun-shy of just basically trying to replicate what they're doing in Kansas City. The problem is, is that you can't replicate what these good teams do. You can't do it. It's not possible. You because you don't have the same pieces. It's not like if you go to New England, you're going to bring Tom Brady and Julian Edelman and Jamie Collins. I mean, you brought Jamie Collins, but or, or Hightower and you know what I mean. Like some of these guys that you brought over, like you're not bringing over the whole team and you're bringing Bill Belichick with you. You're you're having to build what you have here, which is a whole bunch of hot garbage, and you got to try to make it work. You need a guy like what John Harbaugh did, which is he was a special teams guy. That we need to bring our well, no, but John, because when John Harbaugh got hired, he was a special teams coordinator, and they brought him in, and he imprinted his own identity. Mike Tomlin, even though he was a defensive coordinator for a while, he brought in his own identity to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He didn't just win with Bill Cowher's team. He has kept them competitive, and there's the best team, or second best, if you want to say the Chiefs are, the best team in football on his own merit and what he's been able to do. He's hired good coordinators. He's understood when he hired a bad one and fired them pretty quickly, so... You need a guy, regardless of who it is, and I think Soleil gives you the highest probability of that, to bring in his own identity to a team. And the Lions right now are in so much need, are in such desperate need of bringing a guy in with a true identity. Not New England, just up north. Not Kansas City north. We we don't want to be San Francisco of Michigan. We want to be the Lions and and really have a true, clear vision of what the Lions are going to do. I think Schwartz... 
attempted to do that with some modicum of success. I think Caldwell did that a little bit as well, and I think we completely lost it under Patricia. We need to get that back. We need yeah. to get what we're going to be. How are, how are the Lions going to win? It can't all be on Matthew Stafford's shoulders, and it can't be pitching shutouts every week. they got to find a healthy balance in between the two. So if, if Soleil's the guy, I'm for it. You just better get a good offensive coordinator. If the enemy is the guy, I'm going to give it a chance, but it, you can't just – trying to replicate what you're doing in Kansas City because you don't got the speed and you don't have Patrick Mahomes. If you're bringing Patrick Mahomes with you, sure, you can definitely replicate what you're doing in Kansas City. But you're not doing that. So it's hard. You know, so that, there's a little bit of there too. But it's it's interesting. It's going to be fun to see where they go. I'm also hearing some rumors that they're possibly going to be hiring the coach first, then the GM. I don't like that personally. I don't like the, the GM after. I feel like if you're going to hire – the head coach, like how do you, someone's got to be making personnel decisions. Who's making personnel decisions? Is it the coach or the GM? And I don't like combining the two at all. We saw what that happened with the Texans, and that's a disaster. So, you know, that worries me a little bit. I've heard John, let me just uh, real quick for me on the show. John Dorsey's been rumored to be, he's going to get interviewed with the Texans, but I heard the Lions really high on him too. John Dorsey, if you guys don't know, he is the guy that drafted Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City. Then they, he got let go because he rubbed two the wrong way, gets hired by Cleveland pretty much immediately. Drafts Baker Mayfield, drafts Denzel Ward, makes a ton of trades, gets Odell here, gets o- or, uh, 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 the defensive end too. What's his name? Uh, Olivier. Olivier Vernon, thank Olivier you. Vernon. He drafted Miles Garrett, right? Like, but I mean, yeah, it's easy to go when you're, yeah. Um, so he really, he, he, he's really responsible for building most of what Cleveland has right now. Are you interested at all in John Dorsey, knowing that there's a lot of baggage that comes with that? Or, or do you not really care? Is it more about the coach for you? Yep, I'm, I'm all in on Soleil. If you get Soleil, whatever happens, then okay. yeah, I'll take Dorsey. Same thing? Okay, yeah. I well, personally well, would, like to, see, I would like to see somebody with with maybe some ties to Baltimore or something. Because Baltimore, just, I was talking about this yesterday. I just love the way Baltimore drafts. They just, every year, it's just like, oh, by the way, Baltimore had a great draft. And every year, and you're just like, damn, they just keep restocking. So, nonetheless, it's going to be interesting for sure. We'll obviously keep you updated on that. Real quick, too. You think there's any chance Bevel gets this job? Um, if they go three and two the last five games, yeah, I think he could. Any chance Lions make the playoffs? No, no, no. Okay. They they put it in a predictor, and there's a ninety-seven percent chance that he don't make it. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, like yeah. based off the team they want to play. I mean, you play Chicago, Tampa, Tennessee. Uh, Green Bay and Minnesota. Yeah, That's I mean, I think he's been out like four weeks ago, but like, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, just, just. Asking. Just taking the gauge of the room here a little bit. All right, that's going to be it for this week's show, though. Uh, next week, we're going to review NXT War Games. We'll be talking some more any you know developing Lions news as well. Probably be talking, I don't know, something. Maybe we'll preview Michigan basketball a little bit too, kind of get to do a check in on them as we kind of get going here into more Big Ten play here. Uh, but that's going to be it for this week. He's the Wild Man. He's the Merck Zone. I'm the Mouse of Michigan, and we will see you guys, as always, next time.